This morning, Scripture comes to us in Genesis uh, chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. Uh, We're going to be reading the first 15 verses of this chapter, Genesis 18, as we hear uh, uh, the continuation of the establishment of God's covenant with Abraham, uh, as as shown in the the three visitors. And so, uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you could follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord God Almighty. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mareh while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby, and when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you May all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me go get you something to eat so that you may be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk, uh, and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set it before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after this, I am worn out and my Lord is old. Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for your word, for the wisdom contained therein. We ask that you would meet with us now by the power of your spirit as we together focus our attention on the word that you have brought us, that you have provided for us, that you have blessed us with. And we ask, gracious God, that in this space and time, we may hear from you. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, are there certain folks in your 
lives that have special dispensation when it comes to how they can see your home. You know what I'm talking about, like, like the, the, the people that can come into your home no matter what condition it's in. I mean, these, these folks, there, there might only be a few. I'm not talking about the people that actually live and sleep there. I'm talking about the people that you welcome in as guests whenever things are a hot mess, uh, which is normal, whenever things are normal, right? Not whenever things are put together, whenever things are normal. Who, who are those people in your lives? Uh, my son Aiden is in eighth grade, and, and it seems like whenever eighth graders gather together, they just want the party to keep going and going. And so it starts with a big old group of kids down at the village, typically. Uh, he's a part of the herd that is disrupting your evenings whenever you're out there trying to eat and have a good time. Like in an adult way, he's like running around and destroying things with his friends. But then what inevitably happens, we know every time it'll happen, it, they'll text and they'll say, uh, where does the party get to keep on going, right? Uh, who, we're going to downsize the party. It's going to go from 100 down to like 10. Uh, and so we got this text from Aiden uh, recently, and, and, and it said, uh, can so-and-so, 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 and so-and-so come over? We want to keep the party going. He didn't say that, but that's kind of the, 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 the gist of it. And I looked at Lauren, my wife, and she looked at me, and we both were like, who? does he think he is? He has seen the condition of our house. He left it this morning. He knows what the house looks like. There's no way, none whatsoever, that this is going to be loud. So I texted him back, who do you think you are? You saw the house when you left it. There is no way Alden Fool is going to be coming up in my house when it's a mess. And so, of course, what they did was they, they didn't just send one text out. They all texted all of their parents to see who was the lucky sucker that was going to be able to let the party keep on going. And so, uh, so they found someone, and the party continued. And then, of course, later in the evening, you get to the point where it's downsized time. It's time for, for folks to go home. And so I went and picked him and a couple of friends up and went to go drop them off. And I, well, I was on the drop-off cycle, right? doing the little drop-off thing, and then at the end of the drop-off cycle, it gets down to one really close friend, someone that Aiden's been friends with since, you know, second grade, first grade, somewhere in there, always been around, and, uh, and this is the kind of friend that has special dispensation in our home. He, this is the kind of friend that, 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 that I would not be surprised if he walked in without, without knocking, without ringing the doorbell, because he feels that comfortable in our home, uh, I, I could walk upstairs and he'll just be in the house and I wouldn't even know that he was coming over. And so Aiden knew that this was the case. And so Aiden leaned over to me in the car and said, I know the other ones couldn't come over, but what about him? He said it real quiet, really respectful, gave me the opportunity to, 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 to say no. And I looked at him and said, of course, Right? Because he has special dispensation. But, but let's be honest, that, that's a rare thing. Like when you think about who has that right to come in your home when it's a hot mess, which is the everyday life of your family, how many of those are there? It's game time. Christmas is coming. Thanksgiving is almost here. And many of you are hosting Thanksgiving. How many of you are hosting Thanksgiving in your home? How many of you are hosting Thanksgiving? There are very few folks in here that are insane. We are insane, and we're hosting Thanksgiving, which means that whenever you know a lot of people are coming over, there are certain things you do, right? 
you prepare. We get the, we have teenagers, so it's a blessing because we have, we have slave labor. We, we, we know that we have the opportunity to assign them tasks. And so we're, we're like cleaning the counters in the bathrooms. We're, we're scrubbing the sinks. We're, we're going to not just vacuum the floors. We're going to sweep them. We're going to mop them. And then whenever they are mopped, we're going to go find, Lauren and I are going to go find all the spots that they missed. We're going to tag them. The, the kids are going to get on their hands and knees. They're going to buff out the spots that are really nasty, right? And, and, and we're going to clean the house, because whenever we have, when we have family coming over, we want to pretend like we have it all together. I want my mom to think that I'm still not the guy that used to live in her house that was a mess. I want her to think that we have it all together. So we're going to clean it up. We're going to pretend like we got it all together. I'm the only one in here that does that. That's okay. Uh, but that's what I do. I want to put on a face, put on a facade, pretend like things are not what they seem. So I need you to remove yourself from both of those scenarios. The kind of guest that is able to see the house in any condition that has been there all along the way. And the kind of guest that you're going to prepare deeply for because you want to impress them in some way. And then I want you to be filled with fear and trembling as you consider what it would be like to welcome a total stranger into your home unannounced, no prep. Now I see anxiety on your faces. This is an odd sort of a situation. What does it mean to offer hospitality to a total stranger unannounced, without preparation? All it is is, is, is in the moment, how do you do it? We love the text in Hebrews 13, verse 2. Uh, we've heard it over and over again, and it reminds us of, of the emphasis of hospitality. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by, doing, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Love that text. It's beautiful. And I love the fact that it has this general term hospitality because I think, oh, hospitality, I could do that. But that text is based off of Genesis 18, which is a whole different level of hospitality that we need to examine so that we could better understand Hebrews 13. If we want to be about the work of letting the Lord in to surprise us by entertaining angels unannounced, then we need to know that it reflects Genesis 18 and that you could be surprised in that way. So this is what hospitality looks like, Genesis 18. A little context first. Genesis 17 uh, is, is the orientation of the covenant uh, from God to Abraham. God says, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your descendants. They're going to be uh, as many as the stars in the sky. They're gonna be, uh, there's going to be generations upon generations forever. Amen. I'm going to bless your descendants. And so this is beautiful, and it's even sealed now. So, so it's sealed by, by a promise that, that, that Abraham is going to have all of the men in his household and all the men that will be in his household from generation to generation circumcised. And so that takes place, and now the covenant is established. God has proclaimed it, and it's been sealed with circumcision. And so this is a part of what it means to become a Jew. 
And, and there's, one, there's one note uh, along the way is that, is that whenever God announces to Abraham that, that this thing is going to happen, that you're going to have descendant after descendant, that there are going to be a multitude of descendants, Abraham laughs at God. Abraham says, God, uh, that's insane. Have you seen me and have you seen my wife? We're old. And not just old, we're real old. And this is long, long past possible. And God rebukes Abraham for his lack of faith, reestablishes this will happen. You will have descendants and be blessed. And then we get to Genesis 18. A covenant established, a covenant sealed, and there is Abraham in his, uh, in his home. It's actually on the front porch. It, uh, it describes Abraham's house as a tent, but I want you to, to think of maybe your home, and he's out front in the front yard or on the front porch. If you have a porch, think of your porch. He's out front. And, and he looks off outside of his home, maybe down on the street. He looks out and he sees Three strangers, people he's never met before. And for some reason, there's something within him that is prepared to offer hospitality even to strangers. And so he runs out to them, he bows before them, he tells them, here's what I would love you to do. Uh, I'm honored that you're, that you're near, how about you come in, we'll get some water, you can wash your feet, uh, we'll get you some food, you could eat, you could rest under this tree, you could have all of this hospitality if you would just respond, show some favor on me. Which seems odd because it seems as though he's the one showing favor, but no, show favor on me by receiving my hospitality. And so they do exactly what Abraham asks, and he scurries around and makes things happen, and then next thing you know, uh, they're out on the porch where they're having a lovely time eating and having refreshments, and they ask where is Sarah, and Sarah is in the kitchen getting things ready just inside the tent, and then from there they say, a year from now, I'm coming back, and Sarah will have a son. And this is shocking to Sarah, so it makes me think that maybe Abraham actually didn't tell Sarah what the Lord had promised them. But, um, but in that space, Sarah laughs. She thinks she's laughing quietly, but in fact she's laughing loudly because the angels of the Lord, the guests, these strangers, hear Sarah laughing. And as they hear Sarah laughing, they say, what's so funny? It will happen. You will have a son. A year from now, we'll return and you'll have a son. And there in that moment, the, they receive a blessing, a word from a stranger that in fact is an angel. What is hospitality defined as in this story? You know, if we want this Hebrews 13, it, it, you don't, don't forget to show hospitality because when you do so, you might actually be able to welcome in an angel of the Lord. If we want that, then we need to study Genesis 18. And, and so maybe we need to think about what, 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 what are the things that Abraham is doing that offers hospitality because those definitions might be the things that we need to define our lives by to receive that blessing. 
The first thing is this. He has uh, this deep respect for a stranger. A deep respect for a stranger. That's odd for us because oftentimes when we meet a stranger, uh, we don't think that they've earned respect. We don't think that they've, that they've, they've categorized themselves in such a way as to where they would have more respect than us. And so we don't operate in that way. Yet Abraham did. In fact, Abraham, when he saw them from the porch, he ran out. And what did it say he did? He actually bowed before them. He, he, he would have gotten on his knees culturally in the dirt and bowed prostrate head down, not eye to eye, head down before them. He respected them even before he knew them. What would that be for you and for me, for us, to encounter others, strangers, and respect them without knowing them? The second thing he did is, is he, he humbled himself. Not, not just in that respectful manner of bowing, but, but he at this point has been blessed, he has been fruitful, he has been, uh, been made wealthy by the Lord, and he has servants who have servants. He has all kinds of people that serve him. And so whenever he goes out and he tells these guests, here's what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna offer you refreshments, we're going to give you food, we're going we're gonna to give you water for your feet, all of these things. He, he does that in such a way where he's involved I want you to hear the language. It says, in, in, as soon as they said, go do it, make it happen. In verse 7, it says, Abraham hurried. He hurried into the tent. He told Sarah, quick, we need to respond to this opportunity quickly. Then he goes outside. It says he actually ran to the herd. Abraham's old. Abraham's wealthy. He is the one that the covenant's been established with, and he humbles himself in such a way where he runs to pick, handpicked, on his own, the calf that they're going to eat. So he selects it, and then he gives it to a servant, and the servant models Abraham's effort and hurries as well. And then he personally, not his servants, not his wife, not his son Ishmael, he personally... In verse 8, brought the curds and milk, set the calf before him, before them. He did these things. He was active in the hospitality. He was humble in this way. He sounds a lot more, a lot more like Martha than like Mary from our New Testament story. He is humbling himself before strangers. Making sure that their needs are met. So he respects them. He humbles himself. And then third, he, he, he wants to bless them by satisfying their needs. They've been traveling and their feet are dirty because they wear sandals. And he wants them to be able to be clean. They've been traveling and their stomachs are empty, so he wants to feed them. So that they could be full. They've been traveling and he wants to give them a space of shelter and of rest. And so he offers his porch, his home, his trees, his space for rest. He wants to bless them to satisfy their needs. This is the posture of hospitality we see in Abraham. 
A few years back, we were still as covenant worshiping over at Timber Creek Elementary. All the elementary school days, don't we miss them? Uh, we, we were worshiping over at the elementary school, and, and, and uh, that means we don't have a sign all the time, and there's no tower for people to drive by and see, so people just have to kind of happen upon the opportunity to come and worship. And one time, it happened like this. There was this guy that was riding his bicycle around the community, and he saw the signs up for worship. And so he rode his bike up onto the school property, parked his bike on the little bike rack where the students do during the week, and he walked in for worship, sat in the back, showed up a little late because he was just riding by, and he ended, up, uh, he ended up having this incredibly warm welcome of hospitality from you. I didn't get to see him or spend much time with him that very first Sunday, but I saw, I watched how you warmly welcomed him, so much so that the next week he came back. And the next week, and both of those two weeks, uh, he wasn't riding his bike and he wasn't in his, in his, in his workout clothes. This time, he, he was, he was uh, dressed for the occasion, and he was wearing a trench coat. And uh, there's not a lot of trench coats in Creekside. Look, I'm looking out on you. I don't see any trench coats, even uh, with the weather as it is today. But he was wearing a trench coat. And so uh, I didn't get to encounter him yet. And so in staff meetings, we, we began to refer to him as, as, as the guest in the trench coat or trench coat man affectionately. And, uh, and so, uh, but I was watching you, even though I didn't get to build a relationship, I was watching you and the way in which you were welcome, welcoming him and engaging him and creating space of warmth for him was extraordinary, so much so that whenever I did connect with him, we went and had a meal together. And he shared that with me. He shared how deeply you impacted him with the way that you blessed him, the way you received him, the way you cared for him, and he didn't have that much in his life. You see, he's, he's, he's a guy not, not, too, not too much older than me, and he had been through a, a horrible divorce. He was actually uh, a, a member of a church, a lay leader of a church, uh, and, and was deeply established in that community, taught Bible studies and was well-respected, sometimes would fill pulpit uh, and preach. And, and here in that space, as he was married, he was, he was revered and honored to a certain extent, no kids yet, but, but his wife uh, divorced him and abandoned him and left him. And as he went back to be in Christian community with the people that he was so deeply involved with, the pastor came to him and said, you're not welcome here anymore. They said, your wife leaving you is a symbol of your lack of integrity as a Christian man in leading your household. And your wife abandoning you does not mean that you're, accept means that you're not accepted here. So he looked me in the eye as we were eating together and looked looked and said, I, I have felt the love and warmth from your people, but I need to ask you, am I welcome here? Is there space for me at Covenant? And I got up from the table and walked around to him and gave him a big hug and said, absolutely, by the grace of God, you are welcome in the church. I had no clue then the kind of servant leader 
I had encountered. Jeff then dove in. This is Jeff Staples. He then dove into our community. He ushered. He greeted. He, he began attending a community group. He actually became the leader of the community group. We found out that he had been well-versed and studied in the Scripture, loved the Bible, and loved Jesus intensely. What was, was so blown away with the love of the Lord that he wanted to live in the way of the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and with all his strength. And so uh, we were blessed to have him grow as a servant leader in the church. I had no clue that day. You had no clue those first days he was here that you had welcomed, shown hospitality to an angel. A few weeks ago, Jeff Staples passed away. And I give thanks for his life and his service and his ministry in our midst. And I've been blessed to know him. And I could not have guessed in that first encounter that Trenchcoat Man would become, in fact, an angel in our very midst. What does it mean to live in a spirit of hospitality that in each and every moment you are prepared, spiritually prepared, to offer respect, humility, to humble yourself, and to bless others to meet their needs? It might, in fact, be like Abraham, mean literally welcoming someone into your home. It might mean inviting someone in, creating space for them, and loving them in that sort of radical, profound way. Or it might be a condition of the heart that calls you to engage others, people that are strangers, in very specific ways uh, as you move through life. It might be that simple thing. We, we, were, uh, we were moving from, from the commons into an administrative meeting in the middle of, a, of the week, and there was a lay leader in the church, and we were walking in about to handle some very important business, and the lay leader looked out on the porch and saw a mom walking up to the front door with a stroller and a baby in tow, fully hands full, and my condition was focused on this meeting. My heart wasn't intent and intentional about being hospitable in that way, but this lay leader stepped forward and opened the door, greeted them warmly, welcomed them in, and, and said, how else can I help and be of assistance as they were coming in to pick up their kid for preschool. It might be that sort of simple to be attentive, to have your eyes open, and to be a servant in those very specific ways. It might be like this guy that I saw at the Walmart gas station, and, and it, was a, it was a Saturday morning. There weren't many people there, just a couple of cars, and there was the, there was the gas station attendant. And you know how you and I, we stuff all of our car's trash in the, in the trash cans and we fill them to overflowing? Well, this little, this little gas station tenant, 5-1, was over there trying to pull the bag out of the thing, but it would not budge because we had all stuffed our, our trash so full that she couldn't get it out. And this guy saw that, walked over, 
took the bag, helped her, lifted it out, set it there, didn't stop there, asked, where is this going? Where are you trying to move it? And then the lady said, I'm going to take it over there, and said, no, you're not. Picked it up, drugged that, that dripping, disgusting trash bag all the way across the parking lot to take care of this for that lady. That's the kind of like blessing and overflowing and beauty that you and I get to participate in each and every day because, because we don't know when we're offering hospitality, when we're offering love and grace and care to the world, who we're ministering to. We might be ministering to an angel and not even know it. And how blessed are we when we get that chance? So set the condition of your heart to hospitality. Set it to look upon others that you've never met with respect. Set it to care for their needs and and be able to identify what their needs are and enter in and meet them well. Be humble as the Lord has called you to be humble. And you never know. You never know, like with Jeff, we might have the pleasure of ministering to an angel. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we do invite you to meet with us. We, we, we invite you to surprise us, shock us. Lord, but we, we know it starts with the condition of our own hearts, and so we ask that you would condition our hearts, prepare us in such a way where when, when that opportunity arises to to love your children, to love our brothers and sisters who might be strangers today but could be best friends tomorrow, we ask, God, that you would lead us by the power of your Spirit. Empower us to work on your behalf so that the world will be transformed through the grace and knowledge and love of your Son, Jesus Christ, who calls us into to service. Lord, as we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, we ask, God, that you would would be blessed, that you would be glorified by everything that's done in this space and time. Lord, we know that we're just giving a portion of what you've blessed us with back to the work of your church. It's just a small fraction of what you've blessed us with, but yet, God, we, we celebrate you and we honor you, and we ask that you would be glorified in your name, magnified through the work that's done through these gifts. Lord, bless this time. Meet with us now, we pray in Jesus' name.